So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Taking the Fear Out of Cancer. I am joined today by my delightful friend, Gillian Fawkes, who I have known since 2011, I believe. And she's got a different experience of life. So not only um, has she been trained uh, by Kathy Casey and Mark Howard in, in the understanding that we call the three principles, but she was also the sixth person in the UK to become a clarity coach. and she lives her life from this understanding. But prior to all of this, she had an experience of life that not only demonstrated to her about the innate resilience that is within all of us, but it showed her just how life can turn on, on its head in an instant. So Gillian, if you would if you'd um, be okay in sharing your 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 story about your experience in Portugal is what I'm referring to in the first instance. Um, and then take it from where into whichever direction you feel most appropriate. Um, so good morning, first of all. Good morning, Maureen, and thank you for having me along on your podcast. It's so I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to have you. Delighted to have you. Um, so yes, so do feel free to, to kind of share how much or how little of your story you feel is appropriate. But I think it's important for my audience to get a feel for what it's like for the people on the other side of the equation, not just those that have been given a diagnosis, but those that are what I call the handholders of those that have got a diagnosis. And I think it's important for people to understand what it's like for, for people like yourself. So whenever you're ready. Yes, um, if I give a little bit of background, I won't go into too much long story detail. Um, we are talking 23 years ago now. Um, time flies quickly. And um, my husband Jeff and I were newly retired. We had sold off and were sailing around the world. Um, circumstances dictated that we ended up in the River Guadiana in Portugal where we fell in love with the place and we decided to buy some land um, and basically parked the boat at the bottom of the garden um, so we could pop off on it when we wanted to but we felt the need at the time uh, for a base on land so we bought the land we started to build the house and we were nine months into that process and I had noticed a change in Jeff's health and in his behavior um, which we had put down to that we were working very hot sunshine outside all day, building a house and physically doing that ourselves along with the builders. We got to the stage where we were sitting opposite each other one day on the boat and Jeff looked at me, pointed at the cushions and said, pass me the knives. Uh, I went cold because pointing at the cushion. And I thought, there is something really, really wrong here. Um, his balance had been a little odd. He went off the boat into the water one day. You know, you, you, you don't think at the time this is something serious. You think, oh, you know, he's feeling a bit off. He just slipped, a bit tired. Um, so we went along to the um, hospital in Faro, um, Portugal. And they did some tests. They took some x-rays. And at the end of the day, he came back with a devastating diagnosis of a brain tumour. 
so we were sent to um, Lisbon for a second opinion and also to see the surgeon. And the surgeon gave us the even grimmer news that it was stage four. It was inoperable because of where it was. Um, and the best they could do was take a biopsy, but we're probably looking at six months. And at that point, my world fell apart. Jeff's world obviously fell apart. Um, and we just sat there and went, what do we do now? Um, and Jeff was very philosophical. He'd seen death at an early age. Somebody he'd been walking with, um, when he was a young lad, had dropped down dead. And he'd kind of come to terms with fat people die. Whereas I'd been very protected from it. You know, grandparents had died. Um, my cousin's father had died, but I was very young at the time. And it had, you know, I hadn't been to a funeral. Um, I had later on because obviously friends of my parents had died and I'd gone along. But this was the first thing that had really impacted my life, our life, in a totally huge and life-changing way. So I went into headless chicken mode, really. I did not know how to cope. Um, we told the family and ended going back to England um, and getting a second opinion from uh, somebody in Harley Street that so one of the members of the family found. And he actually said it was, you know, it was six months at the most. I'm really sorry. What do you want to do? And Jeff just looked at him and said, I want to go home. I don't want any treatment. Um, you know, this is going to kill me. And I'm prepared for that and I'm going to do it my way, which was a hugely, hugely brave decision for him. Um, and so I watched him deteriorate and I watched him die. Um, and it was about two months after we came back that he actually um, decided he'd have enough and um, he died. And that life that we had known was finished. You know, and the person that's left behind and the family that's left behind, um, you just have to realize that everything has changed and what you had planned, not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, now, the most amazing thing Jeff did for me was one day when we were having a conversation, he looked at me and he said, promise me you'll finish the house because we were about halfway through that build. And I said, yes, without hesitation. And that's actually what got me through the next three years because I had a mission um, and I wasn't going to let him down. So I went back to Portugal and cut a long story store. The house short, the house was finished. The house was finished with help from friends, from neighbours, family. I couldn't have done it by myself. And it got to the stage where that house had for me finished. It, you know, we had electricity, it was habitable, it was beautiful, and I did my grieving there. Um, that's that's where I've you know I could let rip when I needed to sob. Um, and 
I learned how to live again. And um, so it was, the selling the house was kind of like, yes, I know this is not where I'm supposed to be anymore. This was where we were supposed to be. Um, and that's not going to happen now. So I need to come back to England and make some new friends and start again. But what I learned from that experience was how much inner strength we all have available to us. It was like an endless world that just when I thought I'd got to rock bottom, there was still something there. There was still something that went, come on, pick yourself up, you can do this. Um, you know, and that, that comes along with, as I say, the help from friends and everything. But it was such a revelation to me. You know, this, this innate resilience that was there at like the core of my being. Um, and that wake up realization has stayed with me ever since and will remain so. And finding out about the three principles and exploring it, still exploring it, um, you know, looking at non duality, same thing, exploring how we're all connected, how we're all one, how we all have connection to this amazing, amazing resource. You know, we always have, we always will have, um, whether we know it or not, it's there. And that has opened up so much for me. So, you know, what, what was the worst experience of my life? has become my biggest teacher, which is so often the case. Um, and it may sound weird to say, but I'm glad I had that experience. You know, Jeff was amazing that he gave me that experience. Um, and now it's interesting because my cousin now has been diagnosed with um, terminal ovarian cancer. And My being with her is so different to how I was with Jeff. You know, that there is, from the start, I know she's okay, no matter what happens to her. You know, um, when she dies, I know she's okay still. That, that inner, okay, you know, the body is going to decay, it's going to die. But that inner beingness that we all have and we are, that essence, That'll be fine. That'll be okay. So that gives me a whole new way of being with her. I don't have to fix her. She's opted for no treatment for various reasons. I can support her with that. Um, you know, I will walk down the road with her on that one and we'll see where we go. But I am so much more comfortable being around illness, death, and letting her unfold, unfold as it will, and supporting her, and maybe suggesting things, but she can take them or move them, and just being there for her, you know, it's, it's a whole different ball game for me. Um, 
and I said to you before we started this, I didn't want this to be about me. So I think my point is that when we know we don't have to fix anybody, when we know that there is a wholeness even in illness, and there's a wholeness in death, completion of a cycle, and that what lives on in whatever form, whatever sort of energy it is, that can never be destroyed. To have a knowingness of that, a deep, deep knowing, not from an intellectual point of view, but from an insightful point of view where we, we see for ourselves something, just makes everything about living and being on this planet a lot easier. It makes us far more compassionate. And I think it is the hugest gift that I've been given to have this understanding and to gently speak about it if I'm asked or just living it, being with somebody. Um, that's, it's all I need, it's all I can give in my, in my own way. Um, and to hold somebody's hand, literally and figuratively, through a cancer experience, is a privilege. Wow. Uh, that's my story. Thank you, Gillian. Every time you talk about the Portugal experience, I, um, I've heard it a number of times, as we know, over the years, and every time I well up, because uh, I think it's, for, for what I heard was somebody's life had been turned upside down. Yes. And, okay. you, and yet you sit here today in complete calm, peace, and um, at ease with everything that has occurred, and being okay with, and, and, and having a, a, a sense of gratitude, as you say, for the experiences that you've had, whilst um, I don't doubt that you would dearly love to have Jeff still by your side. There's, there's an, an, a deep and unshakable knowing within you that says this, this is all happening for a reason, but also the, the gift that you have to give now to your cousin in being okay with everything, not needing to try and fix her. There's no, there's nothing broken, nothing lacking. She is perfect. And as you say, the body is crumbling. There's nothing we can do that. That's just a, a process that will happen. But being okay in the moment with her, holding her hand if that's what's necessary, figuratively or um, physically. I think I think it's just amazing. Um, but there's also the thing that one thing that you said was about completing the cycle. 
the, the, the cycle of life and death, but also the cycle of energy. Because as we know from physics, let alone anything else, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And we're all made of energy. And thinking of the passing of my father six years ago, that's what sat with me. The bodies crumple when uh, there's any coming to the end of, uh, of our physical life. Uh, and I'm experiencing this at the moment with my mother-in-law, who, who's 90, and she's had a very good life. Um, but having an understanding that she will live on in some other form is just incredible. But it also takes the fear out of death. So as, as much as this podcast title is Taking the Fear Out of Cancer, it could, it could also have been called taking the fear out of dying. Because in essence, that's what we're pointing to. It, it's about having that deep understanding about how, how life really works, which is what you and I have come to understand through the three principles and through the many teachers and uh, uh, people that we've come across over the years that have shared their experience, that have pointed us in this, in the, in, in this direction. And I think it's served us and everybody else that has come across it very well. I mean, I was at a conference uh, in London at the, uh, well, about three weeks ago now, and there were over a thousand people at that, at that particular event. It's touching lives across the globe. But going back to your promise, one of the things I wrote down was you learned to live again. Do you see it as actually learning to live again or just seeing it as living life differently? Certainly it's living life differently. Um, there's a, there's a um, phrase, isn't there? Um, men plan, God laughs. You know, we can plan our life out as much as we <laughs> arrogantly think we can. And then um, uh, something happens that pulls the rug from under you. Um, and it's, oh, okay, that's gone now. You know, the road has, <laughs> the road has taken a fork and I'll take the fork. <laughs> um, and it's not the one I thought it was going to be. Oh, well. Quote Kathy Casey. My favorite. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, you know, it, it I think the biggest thing it showed me was I'm not in control. <laughs> and I say this over and over again when I talk to people, I'm so not in control that actually I can just relax. I don't have to control, you know, I don't have to hold the universe up. I don't have to control things that are going to happen. Um, how can I possibly do that? All we've got is the present moment. All we've got is now. Um, and that's what's occurring. That's what's occurring as we speak to each other. Um, that's what's occurring when I go off and do the work I'm doing today. I have no idea. I can, I can point myself in the right direction, um, open the door and, and walk towards where I'm working. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen when I get there. 
So I think that's, that was just such an enormous bombshell of a lesson for me. Um, and now I'm just so much more relaxed about life in general. I find the university seems to support me and take me the way it wants me to go. And I just find it quite exciting, really. Um, amusing sometimes, annoying sometimes, when I think one thing should happen and it doesn't. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're quite, yes. Um, but I'm very much more philosophical about things. Um, yeah, like, let's just see what unfolds. Yeah, I think the word that was coming to me as you were speaking there was um, being in, in, in the flow. Mm. Um, and, and it reminds me of like it's like a river if you're trying to swim upstream it's so much more difficult than if you if you're going with the the current of the river and where it's where it's wanting to take you rather than going against the tide shall we say um, and I think it's, it's being in that space of okayness that will make the difference I think it's certainly making it made it makes the difference for me and and it seems to do for for you and for others that that have this understanding um, and i'm hoping that that my what my listeners are taking away from this is that whilst either the, whether whether they're a handholder or they're the person with the diagnosis there's there's this language that's used within the, the cancer arena about fighting cancer um, and it's quite a, a, a people use it as a, as a strength building thing, but I find it quite a negative connotation. It's about being okay with where the body is at, and it's not to say that you don't take the treatment or you don't do what you feel is right in the moment. It's about not fighting it, because in that sense of um, conflict. I don't think that the body is in a, in a place or in a space to heal. No, the, the word I just wrote down was um, struggle. No, yeah. it, um, when we end the struggle and dance with life, which I think was the title of a book a long time ago, possibly by Shakti Gawain, um, it takes the conflict out of it. Um, yes, I agree with you. You, know, you, you, you decide what you want treatment-wise and you go down that road um, so it's not just about sitting on your thumbs and going la 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 and sticking fingers in your ear um, you know it, it, it makes sense in physical form to take action that feels appropriate for you and uh, deciding what treatment to have or not to you know not to have um, that is a choice we have and um, yeah I think just generally giving up any struggle with life. Yeah. I, was, I, I think, I think it's, it still comes back to there is there is choice. So we, we can choose to have treatment depending on what diagnosis we've, has been given. Um, that there is choice in the moment. And as I mean, Jeff wanted to, to, to go home, lots of people wish to do similar things uh, and, and spend whatever time they have left with. Their nearest and dearest, and I think that's that's perfect. 
if that's if that seems right to them. Um, I've also watched people go through the struggle and try to cling on to life by taking whatever version of chemotherapy is thrown at them. And I've seen them in some desperate states because they've struggled and there's been inner conflict with the whole process. But the choice is up to the individual. And it's neither it's neither my right nor my my um, there's a word I'm looking for which is not coming. But it is it, it, I don't have the right to tell anybody how to act or how to be or what decision to make. That's a personal choice. But when there's a a letting go of the struggle, then yeah. Inner peace can is allowed to come into the, the 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 gap that has been left, and maybe you'll see things differently. Who knows? So, thinking about other handholders out there, Julia, do you have any suggestions, recommendations, or just? Perhaps part uh, an insight or an understanding, something you'd like to share with them. Um, <laughs> sorry about the noise. Gardeners doing the, <laughs> the gardener. Like we said, we're not in control. <laughs> um, what do I? What would I like to say? I think the biggest gift you can give somebody is to actually be there with them. Um, and be there with them in a mode of acceptance, love. Yeah. Love. Yeah. That's all you need. Um, you know, you will, you will be guided to say or do stuff or not, or you'll just be guided to sit and hold their hand. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's okay, and and just listen to what they want to talk about. Let them speak frankly. Um, my cousin and I are having some very frank conversations about now and about funerals, about death, um, and we are laughing hysterically about some things that she wants put on her cardboard coffin. Um, and some things she once said at her funeral, you know, it doesn't have to be doom and gloom. It's hugely sad when somebody dies that we love, but when we know that that's not, um, it's the end of the physical body, but who knows what the essence will become, you know, when we go back into the oneness that we all are, uh, how exciting can that be? So, yeah, love. Perfect. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and I think that's a perfect place to stop. So I'd like to thank you again, Jillian, for giving your time and your, your story to us this morning. If anybody wants to get in contact with you, how best can they do that? Um, very welcome to email me. My email is Jillian at julianfox.com um, if anybody wants a conversation then I'm open to that and they can contact me that way.
Fantastic. Thank you. That's that's very generous of you. Um, and if anybody would like to have a conversation with me, you can contact me at maureenyorkconversation.com and that will link you up to my uh, calendar and we can make an arrangement to have a conversation and I'd be delighted to do so. So until the next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening and uh, I'll uh, speak to you in a few weeks.